good morning, church. Uh, it's great to have you join us online, and uh, for the few that are here with us uh, in this building, uh, it is good to be together. And uh, certainly this morning, I was, I was grieving that, that we couldn't have more people here this morning. Um, we miss you already. Um, but anyway, this fall, we've been working on uh, a series called Community, or On Community, and, and really the goal of this series uh, has been to deepen our understanding of what community looks like, what it means uh, within our church family, and then as we deepen our understanding of what community is all about, that together in this community, we would reach out to our extended community uh, and the surrounding area around the church, um, because God wants us to do life together, uh, God has wired us to do life in community with one another, uh, and that's why we've been encouraging you and, and want to continue to encourage you that uh, if you've been attending SEMC for um, just even a couple weeks, we would encourage you to, uh, to get involved. Uh, if you're thinking about what's the next steps for me, uh, we would say, well, the next step is for you to get involved in a life group uh, because, again, we are created to be in community with one another. Uh, In Romans chapter 12, verse 5, we read these words. So in Christ, we, uh, though we are many, form one body, uh, and each member belongs to all the others. If you're part of the family of God, uh, that means that we belong to one another. Except the problem so often in this is that we can be disconnected in our relationships. Uh, it's so easy for us to disconnect from our children. It's, it's easy to disconnect from our parents. Uh, it's easy to disconnect from our brothers and our sisters and from our friends. Uh, it's even easy in, in our society to disconnect from our spouses, for those of you that are married. Um, and so it's easy for us to disconnect from our church as well. Um, today, what I want to do is I want to look at some causes uh, of that disconnection. We're going to look at, uh, first of all, four negative attitudes that break down relationships, uh, that, that are enemies of community. Um, and then on the flip side of that, I want to look at four antidotes to that, um, four friends or four positive things that build up relationships and that build up community. Um, and so kind of uh, titled this message, Relationship Goals. And we want to focus on those four positive things in having those as goals in building relationships and building community. Uh, And so uh, I had a nice sermon outline for you in the bulletin, but of course if you're online, you can actually check it out online, I believe it's there. Um, But let's dive into that this morning. Uh, Four attitudes, four negative attitudes, first of all, um, that we see in Scripture uh, I'm sure that there are many more than that, but we're going to, because of time, we're going to limit it to four this morning. Uh, the first attitude, uh, negative attitude that often breaks down relationships and, and is an enemy to community is that of selfishness. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, uh, we read this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, and so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, and so you quarrel and you fight. (sighs) Pretty pretty blatant, pretty blunt there uh, are James' words, aren't they? Uh, Everything starts with our selfishness. Uh, Selfishness uh, breaks down community, and it breaks down our relationships. Uh, It's amazing how easy uh, selfishness can kind of creep into our relationships. Maybe when we start a relationship, maybe if you think back to your dating life and, and it's easy to, 
to, to be unselfish when you start in that dating relationship. It's easy to go across town just to spend a few minutes together with the person that you're dating. Uh, but it's not long, perhaps, before that selfishness creeps in and you're wondering, why am I always the one that has to go out there? Why don't you, why don't you come my way once in a while? And so selfishness can begin to creep into our relationships. Uh, maybe it's uh, when you start a job. You start a new job and the boss doesn't have to ask you to, to work extra hours or, or stay a little bit later. It's not hard for you to show up on time or to show up early. Uh, but a few weeks go by and maybe that selfishness begins to creep into our workplace as well. Uh, I read a funny meme uh, not that long ago that said this. My boss asked me if I could come in on the weekend, and I said, yes, that wouldn't be a problem. Uh, but I'm running a late, uh, so I might not show up till Monday. <laughs> uh, right? So easy in our workplace, too. Maybe we, we put a lot of time and energy into starting well, into starting these relationships. But we put a little less effort into maintaining these relationships, and we start to, uh, or we stop making the effort, and selfishness can creep into our relationships. Uh, selfishness breaks down relationships. It breaks down uh, community. We know this. Uh, that's probably not new to you this morning. And so we wonder, why is it so hard to change? Uh, why is it so difficult to change that selfishness in my own life? Uh, I, I think primarily it's because of two things. One, because we're selfish by nature. Being selfish is fairly natural for us. I think about me. I, I think about my needs. I, I think about what is interesting to me. I, and I think about my hurts. And I think about how I look and how I feel with often very little thought about how you must feel. And I wonder if perhaps you do that as well. Sometimes I hear people ask, well, if God exists... Why is there so much evil in this world? Uh, to me, that's an easy question to answer. The reason why there's so much evil in this world is because you and I are selfish by nature. Um, if I want what I want and you want what you want, well, it's easy to see why there would be lots of conflict. Uh, it would be easy to see why there's fights and there's quarrels among us because we are at opposites. We have different interests in mind. And so I think the better question for us would be, why is there even good in this world? Hmm. I think the only reason why there's good in this world is because of God. Uh, without God, there would be no good. Um, it is God who motivates us to do good. Uh, if there were no God, there would be no good. Um, and in my mind, he is the only explanation for good in this world. So that is a question we need to think about. Uh, second, not only is selfishness very natural for us, uh, we don't need help in being selfish, uh, but our society feeds this selfishness and this self-centered attitude a lot, doesn't it? I mean, think about the advertisement that you've seen on TV or, or even the billboards as you drive by them. Have it your way. Um, we do it all for you. You've got to do what's best for you. You've got to look out for number one. Uh, you've got to obey your thirst. And on and on and on. Advertisement talks about our selfishness and it caters to our self-centered life. And so we're naturally selfish, 
but our society also very much encourages that self-centered lifestyle. If selfishness breaks down community, if, if selfishness breaks down relationships, then the flip side to that would be that selflessness builds up community. What does selflessness mean? It means that I think a little bit less of me and a little bit more of you. It means that I'm thinking about others and not just my own interests. In fact, Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, uh, look out for one, another, uh, one another's interests and not just your own. That's selflessness. In fact, selflessness brings out the best in other people. When I see people being selfless, I say to myself, I want to be more like that person. I love that about people when I see selflessness in their lives. And I go, that's what I want to be like. I think some of God's favorite places to, to teach us about selflessness is in our family, in our church, maybe in your life group. Because it's these people that we spend time with, these people that, are, that we're closest to on a regular basis. And so when we're in a relationship with other people, uh, we have to learn about this give and take in relationship in order to be able to get along with one another. And so it is in these groups, in church and in our families and in our life groups where we learn to be a little bit more selfless. Since we're talking about life groups, we're emphasizing that in, in this series. Um, here are perhaps some things, some practical ways that you can practice selflessness uh, in your life and in your life group. Um, I thought, just showing up. You know that just showing up, and in fact, even just showing up at church when we can open up doors a little bit further, uh, just showing up is an act of selflessness. Because the truth is, I don't always want to show up to my life group. I don't always want to go to church, believe it or not. Um, in fact, most of the time I like people. Most of the time I love you folks. I really do. But there are times when I don't want to be around people. Uh, there are times when life group comes along that I don't really want to leave my house. I don't want to actually see a few more people, even though I love those people. There are times when I go, I would much rather stay at home. Uh, there are evenings when I go, I, I don't want to go to somebody else's house and sit on their couch because I'd far rather sit on my own couch. In fact, I'd rather sit on my own couch and take off my socks and put my feet up a bit and just relax at home. And so selflessness, sometimes going to life group when I don't feel like it is being selfless because I put the needs of the group ahead of myself. Oh, maybe not just showing up. Uh, maybe for your life group, a way that you can show selflessness is by accepting new people into your life group. That's another way that you can do it. Uh, somebody maybe in your group says, hey, you know, we actually have room for one or two more people in our life group. Uh, what do you think about bringing some more people into our life group? Uh, that's an act of selflessness, of opening up the circle and allowing people to come in. Maybe there's some of you in the course of this year, you've been thinking you know what, I've been very comfortable in my life group. Um, maybe it's time for me to start a new life group. And that would be a selfless thing to do. Um, some of you are very selfless when you offer help 
uh, offer to help somebody in your life group or offering to help somebody in the church. You've got special skills that you can use and, and so you extend those to others and you say, hey, I can help out in that. And that's a selfless thing to do. Many of you, in fact, uh, in your life groups, you share the hosting duties. Uh, when you host, you're being selfless. You say, we're going to open up our house. We're going to have people in here this time around. And, and you're being selfless. You're maybe having to clean up the house a little bit to get ready for them. But that's an act of selflessness. I like how Eugene Peterson puts it in Galatians chapter 6 in his uh, paraphrase, The Message. He says this, Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, of eternal life. You get that principle of sowing and reaping in here? Our universe is built on this, isn't it? That's sowing and reaping. What you plant, you're going to reap. If you plant criticism, well, then people are going to be critical back to you. Uh, if you plant affirmation, well, people are going to tend to affirm you as well. If you plant selfishly, then that's all you're going to get. Whatever you dish out, you're going to get served. And what it says in, this, in these verses, it says if you want to plant good seeds... Uh, plant in response to God. You get that? That's powerful, right? That means that if somebody is mean to me, it is by nature, in my nature, to be mean back to them. But I need to respond to God, not to that person's meanness. And so I respond to God and say, what would Jesus do in this situation? How would Jesus respond to this unselfishness or, or respond to this meanness? And so I respond to God and not to attack the person who has been mean to me. Hmm. The last part of that verse, notice God says that it's a growth process. He says, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him harvests a crop of real life and eternal life. It's a process. It's not overnight, but it's something with that we journey in that we, we grow into, right? Uh, it's going to take the rest of our lives. And it can only be done one way, as we submit to God's Spirit at work in our lives. See? The second negative that breaks community, that breaks down relationships, that is an enemy to community, is the issue of pride. Yeah. Pride kills relationships you know what this is one characteristic that i'm glad that i don't have to deal with in my life kidding <laughs> yeah right because pride is an enemy of community uh, in proverbs chapter 13 verse 10 in the living bible it says this pride leads to arguments wow Here's a couple ways that I recognize pride. Uh, it can show up in our lives so easy. Maybe we don't even recognize it, but pride can show up uh, when we're critical of people. 
when we're critical or if we're quick to dish out criticism, uh, there's probably some pride in our lives. Uh, if we tend to be judgmental of other people, um, we look down on other people, or, or maybe we tend to be picky or, 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 or perfectionistic, uh, perhaps we have a pride issue in our lives. Um, oh, if you tend to be competitive and you're always comparing yourself with other people, uh, you're comparing what you wear, you're comparing what you drive, you compare uh, what you do for a living, your title behind your name. Uh, maybe you even compare your children against their children. Uh, perhaps there's a pride issue. Maybe if you're stubborn and you find it difficult to apologize, uh, you find it difficult to say you're sorry or, or, or you can't ever admit that you're wrong, uh, then you probably have a pride issue in your life. Maybe if you're one of those people in that group where if you hear a story, you always have a story that tops the last one. You know people like that, right? Somebody tells a story and you go, oh, you think that's bad. Well, you should hear what happened to me the other day. And you have another story to top that one. Ah, there's pride. Maybe if you're one that always likes to offer advice and you never ask for any advice back, um, perhaps you have a pride issue in your life. Um, often what happens with pride is that we don't recognize it in our lives. We, we often, uh, it's a blind spot for us. We can't see it in our own lives, but it's so obvious to the people around us. And so the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, uh, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And again, I love what Eugene Peterson says in the message paraphrase. He says, first pride then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. You had a hard fall, and that shows us how big our ego is. Yeah. Pride keeps us from apologizing. Pride breaks down community. It breaks down relationships. But the flip side to that is that humility builds up community, builds up relationships. Listen to these five things that build up relationships. I mean, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. What a great verse to memorize. But I found this in God's Word translation. It paraphrases it this way, uh, or, or translates it this way. Uh, live in harmony. Be sympathetic. Uh, love each other. Have compassion. And be humble. Boy, those are five characteristics that I would love in all of my relationships. God wants us to live in harmony with one another. What's so great is that we're not the same. We are all very different. Even in this room, I see people here in this room, and I go, oh, we are much different people. Uh, and that is so good. Uh, this morning, we were led by our music team, and I'm so thankful for our music team that there are many different instruments that make up the band. But the different instruments are playing in harmony with one another, and it is beautiful, and it is good, right? If there was five guitarists all playing the same chords, all playing the same st strumming pattern, hmm, we wouldn't get the effect of it as well. But with the five instruments playing, boy, it's beautiful. We are different. When we, as different people, work in harmony with one another, it is a beautiful thing. How are we to operate in humility and harmony? Uh, it happens when we tune in 
to Jesus Christ and to allow his spirit to guide our thoughts and to guide our attitudes and to guide our reactions. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 23, let the spirit change your way of thinking and make you into a new person. There's a basic law of relationships there. And that is that we become like the people that we hang around with. You hang around with grumpy people, good chances are you're going to get grumpy. Uh, you want to hang around with happy people, you know what? You're probably going to live a little bit more happy also. If you want to live with more humility in your life, hang around with Jesus Christ. Spend time with Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ wants a relationship with us. And he wants you and I to spend relationship with him in prayer and, and in reading his word and in talking with him. In fact, it was Jesus' disciples that dis people were watching his disciples and they said, those guys have been with Jesus. Right? You want to become more like Jesus, uh, then spend a little bit more time with him. Because nobody has done anything more humble than what Jesus did. Coming from heaven to earth became a man to live for us, to live and to die for us, and then resurrected for us. And when we spend time with him, we become more like him. And that builds relationships. That builds community. Here's the third thing that destroys relationships, and that is insecurity. The Bible talks about this in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, in the New Living Translation. We read, uh, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. As I kind of flesh that out a little bit in my own life, um, what that looks like in my own life is that when I am so insecure that all I think about is others' opinions about me, uh, what you think about me, what my friends and, and what my people in the community think about me, what it does is it disables my life. Uh, the problem with that fear as I'm concerned about what everybody else is thinking and, and what they're saying about me is that I get my eyes off of Jesus and what Jesus has called me to do. And it causes me to live an inauthentic life. Um, I pretend to be something that I'm not and it destroys the relationships that I have. Um, and yet there's a tension in that. We desire to be close to other people. Um, we desire to have that intimacy in relationships. And yet, uh, I also fear being close to others. Uh, I, I want it, but I don't want it. Uh, I crave that intimacy with others. Um, and yet, I'm also scared half to death about that because then people are going to really know who I am. And what if they don't like what they see? And so often... My insecurity prevents me from having intimacy with other people. Um, and it's so hard to get close to other people when there's fear in that relationship. Um, which is why living together actually doesn't work in the long run. Living together doesn't work in the long run because when you're just living together uh, and there's no commitment in there, there's always that fear in the back of the mind that this person might walk out on me. And so I'm going to hold back because just in case this relationship doesn't work out, then I've got a security built in. 
And it is only in the situation where you can say, I'm committed, regardless of whether we get along or not, we're going to make this thing work. We're going to fight together. We're going to fight for one another. We're going to fight for this relationship. Then the fear vanishes and the intimacy, the real intimacy begins to grow. Insecurity breaks down community. But the flip side of that is that love builds it up. First John chapter 4 verse 18 says, love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it shows that his love has not been perfected in us yet. How does that work? How does love drive out all fear? Here's what it does. Love takes the focus off of me and it puts it on you. That's how it makes the difference. Sometimes I have people ask me, do you ever get nervous when you speak up front? And I say, yes, all the time. All the time I do. Um, But you know what helps me? Uh, It helps when I turn the focus off myself and turn it to you. When I think about how much I love you, when when I think about how much I love the church, when I think about how much God loves you, and how much God wants you to know him and to be in relationship with him, that fear then begins to diminish because it's about you. It's about my love for you and it gets the attention off of me. In all of our relationships, when we feel nervous, when we feel insecure, focusing on the other person has the ability to uh, decrease the power of fear in our lives. It has the ability to diminish the insecurities in our lives. When we recognize how much God loves us, uh, we don't have to prove ourselves to one another. Uh, We don't have to spend our time trying to impress other people, but rather we can have this incredible freedom and this freeing feeling that when our identity and our self-worth is not caught up in what other people think about me, but it's about my relationship with Jesus Christ. And that fear diminishes the insecurity diminishes when i put my eyes on jesus first john chapter 4 verse 14 to or 15 to 17 says all who proclaim that jesus is the son of god have god living in them we know how much god loves us and we have put our trust in him god is love and as we live in god our love grows more and more perfect And so we will not be afraid. You see, our love grows and fear fades. Uh, And this too is a lifelong process. Oh, I wish that I have defeated insecurity in my life, but I haven't yet. Um, But it is definitely diminishing in my life as I grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's a fourth enemy of relationships. And that is resentment. Resentment or bitterness destroys our relationships. Job chapter 5 verse 2, we read this, To worry yourself to death with resentment is a foolish, senseless thing to do. You see, we all make mistakes. In fact, the Bible calls this sin in our life. Uh, And that means that I'm not perfect. It means that you're not perfect. Uh, 
I don't measure up to God's standards and neither do you. In fact, if I'm being real honest, I don't even measure up to my own standards. I disappoint myself all the time because we're imperfect people. Unfortunately, I am going to hurt people and people are going to hurt me. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. And so what do we do with that hurt in our lives? Um, we can't avoid hurt in these lives, in this lifetime. Uh, and in fact, as I think about the hurt even in my own life, it's sometimes not even the big things that cause the most hurt in my life. Yes, the big things hurt, obviously they do, uh, but there's a lot of times it's the little hurts, uh, the little irritations in our lives that build up. And then all of a sudden we snap. Uh, there's resentment and there's bitterness that builds up. Uh, so what do we do with those minor irritations in our lives? Uh, one of the things that's helpful for me is that I ask God uh, to fill me with so much love uh, that these little irritations don't bug me anymore. Second, uh, not only do I ask God to, to fill me with so much love, um, but the other thing that I try to do is, is to talk to the offender personally because I am in relationship with those people. I want to talk to them in love. And so I want to, with, uh, once I've checked my heart and checked and prayed and talked with the Lord about this, to be able to go to the person and say, hey, listen, it might be me, but there's something that's kind of bugging me. And I'm wondering if we could have time to talk about this. What I'm trying to do less of is to sweep it under the rug and just to ignore it. Um, to go around and, and, and complain about it to everybody else. Um, because what happens when I'm resentful is one, I don't think straight. And two, uh, I live a self-defeating life. Psalm 73, verse 21 and 22 in the New Living Translation says this, Then I realized that my heart was bitter. Uh, that means resentful, right? There's bitterness, there's resentfulness. Um, and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant, I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. <laughs> Those are pretty bold words, isn't it? I think one of the purposes of life group and, and being with that close group of friends is to help us to think straight. When there's bitterness in our lives, when there's resentment in our lives, we need other people that would speak truthfully into our lives to help us think it through and to keep us from doing dumb things. Right? I think that's what the Bible is getting at in Hebrews chapter 12 when it says this, look after each other. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. And so when somebody's hurting in your group, you gather around them and you help them. You keep them from becoming bitter in their lives. And that's how we grow. We grow by being honest with one another and we talk about it and you say, hey, I'm struggling with this in my life. Can you help me? Because right now it's hard for me to see rightly. And so if resentment breaks down community, uh, the opposite is that forgiveness builds up community. And Jason did a wonderful job last week of speaking about forgiveness. And so if you didn't get a chance to hear the message, I would encourage you to go back to, uh, to our YouTube channel and take a listen to that. 
Um, but let me just speak a little bit to that forgiveness thing because I don't know about you, but there are some other things that have built up this week that I need to ask for forgiveness for. And so it seems like forgiveness is always a relevant topic. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says, you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, and so you must forgive others. Here's why it's good to forgive. First, resentment doesn't work. Um, it only makes us miserable. So holding on to that grudge, uh, holding on to that hurt and that anger, it doesn't help. Uh, and so we forgive even for our own benefit. We forgive for our own benefit. Not only that, but we forgive because God has forgiven us. And third, uh, we forgive uh, because we know we will need more forgiveness in the future as well. And so we want to be people that would be offering forgiveness to others. Perhaps you're thinking of something in your own life and, and at this point you go, man, I, I can't forgive that person. Um, you're probably right. Uh, you can't. Uh, I can't. There are some big things in my life that I can't forgive. Uh, we can't do it on our own because our human love and our human forgiveness runs out. Uh, and, and that is why we need to call on the Holy Spirit. Because with God's supernatural love in us, we can forgive. Titus 3, we read this. Once our lives were full of resentment and envy, but then Christ saved us, uh, not because we were good enough to be saved, because we're not, but because of his kindness and his love by washing away our sins and giving us new joy of the indwelling Holy Spirit. God puts his spirit of love in our life all because of what Jesus Christ, our Savior, did for us on the cross so that we could declare, so that he could declare us good in God's eyes. You see, forgiveness is not making excuses for the other person who hurt you. Uh, forgiveness isn't minimizing the hurt in your life because the hurt is real. Uh, forgiveness isn't justifying or, or it's not saying, ah, oh, it's no big deal because it is a big deal. Uh, forgiveness isn't saying, ah, oh, it, it wasn't wrong. Rather, forgiveness is letting go of my right to get even. And so I recognize this morning that there are some that are listening, maybe some that are here in this room, who are still allowing people from your past uh, to hurt you. When you hold on to that grudge, uh, you're extending your own pain, and the hurt continues as long as you re uh, refuse to let it go. And so God says, uh, bring it to me. Let it go and let me deal with it. Because forgiveness is the only way that we are going to be able to get on with our lives. Even though the people who have hurt us deeply, they don't deserve it, but we forgive for our own benefit, not for theirs. And so this morning, relationship goals, to live selflessly, to live humble, to live loving, to live forgiving lives.